Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 93. We are still in the woods, cutting trees, producing papers, even if we put it into a Word or a PDF or whatever, but the mental process, the handling, the interfaces are still too much from a world which thinks in paper, which thinks in the physical document. We need to have hybrid models. And what do I mean typically by hybrid? It's if there is a process, the very same process needs to support the traditional way of working, paper-based, and a new way of working, say, using data, replacing paper. My name is Tepesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today, we're talking about removing paper. Trade finance, treasury, and transaction banking are facing the age-old problem. That is, a logjam of paper documents which can cause supply chain delays, a risk of fraud, and really hamper growth. I'm delighted to be joined by collaborative trade finance expert, Enno Berghard Weitzel, Senior Vice President of Strategy, Digitization and Business Development at Shawcomp, and Dr. York Schmidt, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at Corporate AVL, discussing streamlining processes, unlocking liquidity, and centralizing visibility. Both, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you, Dupesh. Good to meet you, Anna. Likewise, good to meet you, York. Thank you very much. So, elevator pitch in no more than 30 seconds. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Anno, I'll start with you. Thanks. My name is Enno. I'm head of strategy at Showcom. My focus attention is to ensure that we provide relevant solutions for customers in the trade finance community tomorrow. Thank you. And uh, Dr. York Schmidt, over to you. I'm York. I'm the CFO of the AVL Group, headquartered in Graz, Austria. AVL is the world market leader of powertrain testing equipment, simulation software, and powertrain engineering. So our customers are the R&D departments of all global automotive OEMs. And with our roughly 1.8 billion revenues, we generate roughly 50% of our business in ESG green technologies. This requires us to be really agile and focused on innovation. We have an R&D quota of of, uh, roughly 12% of regard to our uh, revenues. And with regard to finance and trade finance, of course, it's important to understand that most of our revenue is generated within projects or equipment sales. Thank you very much. And York, I'll actually start with you off the back of your previous answer, because I think change is really paramount to your industry and your business model. What are the key changes you've noticed in the industry in recent months? And what customer-driven or macroeconomic factors would you say are driving that? change? I think we are confronted with a lot of changes happening in parallel. And of course, our customers driven by their own business strategies as well by driven by regulatory environment, accelerating the technological change and the mobility technologies that produce either less or no CO2 or other emissions. And this can, of course, be accomplished by even more investment in R&D and innovation and green technologies. This is the acceleration requires lots of funds. This is capital intensive. And of of course, 
these projects are not always run through. So you have beyond the project, you have the dimension of trade finance, of project finance, of milestone payments, of prepayments, et cetera, et cetera. So managing cash flows around these innovation and the projects is a huge challenge. Then, of course, on top of this, we have, as everybody else, the macroeconomic perspective that we are facing challenges around the high volatility, around the availability of sufficient electronic components, metal prices, working capital effects, which we have due to these mentioned topics. And of course, we will see that this acceleration of technological change as well has impact on balance sheet positions, on working capital, but as well on the asset valuation. And further, we see that, of course, this valuation with regard to FX and inflationary pressure as well requires different priorities within Treasury and as well in the finance organization. And Anu, just off the back of what York said, have these changing market conditions impacted corporate demands and also demands from your banking customers? Yeah, that's a very good question. And while York was alluding on a number of changes that's going on from the corporate perspective, maybe to get the discussion going, I'd say, no, the demand to us as a software provider for the trade finance space are completely stable. I was talking to a corporate head of trade finance recently, and he said, I couldn't care less for what type of technology you'd be using. If you'd propose me a process, paper-based, by which I can have a guarantee within one day to support my business, I take it. Now, that obviously is a little bit of exaggeration, but it brings the focus to what trade finance technology needs to serve, which is the business purpose of the respective corporate. And that process needs to be reliable, transparent, and fast. And the same is true for the banks. They want the application and transactions from all originating channels to follow the same internal approval or issuance process. Why? Because they need to increase the efficiency on a continuous basis. Now, the macroeconomic factors that also York has mentioned from the interest rate rises, the inflation that all of a sudden is a topic, the economic downturn, the Russian war, the impact on the supply chain stability or rather disruption, the surging IT security attacks. They've put the spotlight on the weaknesses of the current setup. Now coming to the paper, clearly paper is not the solution and we're here to eliminate this. If we summarize from our perspective what that means to the demands that are put forward to us, it's three key demands. A, it's eliminate not only the paper, but also the email-based communication between corporates and financial institutions. And yes, that includes paper, mail, and faxes, which are still there. There's a move to embedded finance or embedded trade finance. So within a corporate, York wants to have one system to manage all its financial institution, to have one process across all instruments, to have at all times the ability to manage its business and to safeguard its business because uh, York is better equipped than I to say that. The role of the CFO is to safeguard the business. And the third demand that is brought forward to us is to use enriched services. Now, what do I mean? York, you were mentioning the ESG aspect of it. So in a trade finance transaction, the ICC is working on a working group, Sustainable Trade. We're spearheading this. In the end, you want to have an ESG score per every single trade finance transaction, be it a project-based trade finance transaction or a, say, commercial transaction where a container is shipping across the globe. You want to have trade profiles. You want to have fraud prevention technologies. So these enriched services is the third element where, yes, we do see a change in demand. 
Let's unpack that. I know you've covered quite a lot in quite a lot of detail. York, what are your thoughts on the process changes? Are those genuinely driven by a need to improve the process or by the want to implement certain technologies within your organization? I guess second to that, given the inflationary pressures, the Russia-Ukraine war, the commodity price hikes, IT security, would you say that the role of the corporate treasurer and the CFO are changing? And how is that so? Yeah, I think definitely it changes and I think we need to kiss goodbye this old or established perception of a CFO and the treasurer, which had been, I think, valid for the last decade or more. It's more than just safeguarding of business and finances or being a business partner or being a strategic advisor or even being the tail wagging the dog with regard to overall business responsibilities. I think this had been all off-track approaches given the current challenges we are facing. The role requires a different setup and a different understanding. And I would like to use the term designer because on the one side, the role requires to be a value designer. How does the company create value with customers based on these new circumstances we have through volatility, we have through markets, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, he's a cash flow and funding designer. He has to understand, given all these circumstances, how does the impact on the cash flow and funding side are connected to these things? And then he is a process designer and in the end, a risk and opportunity management designer at the same time. So because it's not where you can build on base principles and textbooks and et cetera, et cetera, overcoming the ongoing challenges we have just discussed. We need to have the mandate and we need to take the mandate. We have to embrace the mandate that as a partner to the business and being close to the customer side, it is important to develop these four design elements for the finance organization in particular for the treasurer role. And from this design approach, as well being able to contribute to solving these bottlenecks and the challenges Anno has just described. Thank you very much. Anu, what are your thoughts from those four design element principles? Are things really changing or are those fundamental practices around cash flow management, cash is king, etc.? Do they still remain? I absolutely like the idea of the CFO as a value designer. That is a very interesting perspective to it. And maybe coming back to one other discussion that I have had over the past, where again, one of the topics bring forward is if we, from a technology perspective, could enable the CFO to have more options to now with the uh, term, yeah, to design value or create value. That's where technology has a role to play. Otherwise, I'm fully with that view to you need to create the process and the value streams to serve the business. Do we see the change that we would be expecting, right? Or is cash still king and everything is the same? But the one thing that I'm missing, quite honestly, over the past, say, two, three years, specifically with the pandemic, is that we still, as a community as whole, did not manage to get rid of paper in a more fundamental share of the business. While Europe may be covering, may be leading the way with some single countries already reaching ah, 40% share when it comes to electronic invoices. 
on a global scale, more than 90% still is based on paper invoices. Now, what do I mean by electronic and paper invoices? Or electronic invoices where data is used in a structured format to enable a downstream automatic processing of an invoice. So a PDF version of an invoice that's attached to an email, I'd cover as paper because it's unstructured information and the downstream process still is manual. And what's true for invoices where we know that every single transaction or project at least has one, if not more, invoices is also true for guarantees, letters of credit, or any other transaction type that is used to say, let funds flow from A to B. We have, on a global scale, 0% coverage with digital guarantee certificates. We have less than 5% coverage when it comes to digital bill of ladings. We have 0% coverage with digital promissory notes. We have 0% coverage with bills of lading, uh, bills of exchange. And I guess we could go on a lot. Now, with the advancements on the legal side, talking about MLETR or the UK Electronic Act, more and more countries are setting the basis to actually implement it. And now it's on, and I say us, all the corporates, the financial institutions, the software providers to actually embrace that change and make it happen. So this is the change that we're not seeing and we're pushing for it, but it needs so many actors in the environment to actually make it happen. And that will have an efficiency gain impact. And I'm sure that you could explain more and more examples of how it would improve internal processes within AVL that would be more streamlined, faster, and hopefully open more business opportunities. York, over to you. I can only agree. I think we are still in the woods, cutting trees, producing papers, even if we put it into a Word or a PDF or whatever, but the mental process, the handling, the interfaces are still too much from a world which thinks in paper, which thinks in the physical document, which requires signature, which requires not even digital signature, but printed signatures in ink. And I see this every day. I see this in a lot of transaction. I see this as well in trade finance documents. I think this is not the 21st century. I'm still in my junior years in finance between, because I agree with Anno, in the end, this transactional burden has not significantly decreased over the last 10, 15 years. Yes, it is an advancement that we move from a fax to an email and the email has an attachment and now we store it directly. We don't print it out and put it in files. So there are improvements, but this are 20th century improvement. These are not 21st century improvements. We'll only get there if we abandon paper. There are basically three hurdles to this. First of all, it's always you gain trust by experience. The hurdles, the mental hurdles in organization to switch to these easier processes is still going along with a lot of fears and insecurities on two levels, on the levels of the leaders who have to take the decision, because if this goes wrong, this could create a significant damage to the company. And uh, secondly, the doers are afraid of losing the significance and the meaning in their tasks of their daily work. And therefore, I think it can only work either by strong leadership, by strong communication, by building lighthouses of expertise where you can see this within the companies, how this really is applied. But the underlying topic is we need to increase the trust into the processes as well, the trust into the transparency between the counterparties and the responsible signatures on both ends of the transaction. And then secondly, we need to trust in automation. 
and we need to trust in AI. I firmly believe that embedded systems in the combination of AI will create significant productivity gains and reduce costs and reduce cycle times in processing trade finance documents. I personally hope that blockchain technologies will help us to bring the game even to a more advanced level. But with the creation of life, you can only have a baby after nine months if you have gone through all the other months before of the creation of the baby. And this is here, I think, jumping the queue and going from traditional paper mentality to blockchain is too fast. So we need to take this the leadership situation quite seriously and say, okay, how do I qualify an organization to be bold around these topics, to be competent around these topics, to create lighthouse experiences, to create success stories within the organizations in order to accelerate these transformational assets. Otherwise, I think we will be limited to certain areas of excellence. We'll always have these lighthouse towers outside of the organization and we'll admire them, but we'll need to bring them into the organization and have really end to improvements and getting rid of mental paper, physical paper, as well as digital paper. Hello, are we going too fast? And what do you think we can do as the trade finance industry to really help, I guess, make some of these technologies more accessible and slowly but properly embed them into the corporate environment? I absolutely like the thought of it. these gain trust by experience. I guess from a technological perspective, I would call it we need to have hybrid models. Now, what do I mean typically by hybrid? It's if there is a process, the very same process needs to support the traditional way of working, paper-based, and a new way of working. Say, using data, replacing paper and all the three layers of paper, York, that you mentioned. And if we have that very same process, that may enable that slowly but steadily buildup of trust within an organization. If all parties of a transaction need to be able to work on the new way, it's very hard to find the right counterparts. So if a system allows hybrid model of working. So where one party may use the benefits of data and the other may still hit the print button because they still need paper for whatever reason, then we have the technological framework to fuel that experience. I'm sure will lead to trust in all the dimensions that we covered. There's one topic, however, that I would like to add before we believe in the power of AI. Let's use the power of data, because in some corporates that we have the benefit of talking to, not all transactions are on the radar of the decision makers. Give an example, in an export LC situation where the beneficiary of an instrument receives the export LC, they don't type that into their letters of credit management system. Why? Too cumbersome to manually type in the PDF advice notification to the system. The money will come anyway. Now, if we don't have the 100% view on all, yeah, scale that translator to all working capital instruments, how should a CFO be in a position to take good decisions? From a tech vendor perspective, we put a lot of focus on enabling all parties to use data to get the 100% view and really have a proper, say, digital image of the real situation. In a project-based scenario, that may be a different situation, but on a, say, transactional level, it's so cumbersome to have all transaction copied into the system. So we want to connect the dots to bring the content providers, say, the issuers of instruments, on the same 
technological platform as the corporate users. And so no one needs to manually retype any data. Now, and once we have a solid basis that fully covers the reality, where then we can, for example, apply AI to provide a better forecasting algorithm that eventually may use context information to predict solvency of counterparts, etc., and provide a better liquidity forecast. We need to work on the data to get the basis right. It sounds like building or fixing those basics are really important and actually having clean and correct data in is the absolute foundational piece before we apply any additional technology and and maybe we're not there yet. I mean, your technology is rarely that panacea solution. Are there any other analog measures companies might need to put in place when we talk about this hybrid solution alongside new technologies to help them ensure their effectiveness? What does a hybrid solution mean in the end? A hybrid solution is that you over time do one thing less over time and the other thing more over time. And you manage the relation between these two elements. And I think a very basic starting point is to create a common understanding of what is the starting point. What are the common objectives? What are reasonable benchmarks or projects that give orientation that happened within or outside of the organization to as well establish this understanding not only within the treasury team or the finance team, it has to be extended to the operating business, to IT, it has to be extended to suppliers, to banks, to insurers, to customers. This is very important. Even in these hybrid situation which can take a couple of years, we need to be clear for what is the role, how will it change, who will contribute to what degree, what are milestones, who can rely on what during this hybrid phase of transformation. Because this is very often an experience, part of the organization starts, assumes that another part of the organization or an outside partner is working at the same speed with the same content, with the same objectives. And then at some milestone review, they figure out who they are on a different track. They are not on the same speed level. They have qualitative issues in master data or other things. And now the overall progress holds. I think, therefore, this understanding of what is the common ground, what is the joint roadmap, and what are the specific elements, specific parts of the team have to contribute on the one side, but have to rely on from others is fundamental. Second, I think it has been mentioned, but I think you can't over-communicate this aspect. An organization needs quality and discipline around the master data and the data architecture and the data structure it works with. If this is inconsistent, first start fixing your basics. If an organization does not focus on fixing these basics, it will haunt a company down at every change you want to move forward uh, with regard to digitalization. The third element, I think, which has worked quite well is empower the teams to take decisions. Management boards very often are not smarter than the teams. So it needs to be clear which decisions the teams can take by themselves in order to move forward. Where do they need buy-in from stakeholders? Where do they need approval from superiors? Where do they need buy-in as well out of the underlying team? So the three dimension of leaderships are really covered. One last element, which I always want to add, have a little extra budget for experimentation. In particular, in creative environments, 
like our, we have a very strong engineering-minded organization and innovation-minded organization. At times, you want to test something. You want to just do this little experiment. Does this really work in real time? And you can build momentum and support to say, okay, do this on a test base. This is not in the productive system, but we'll have a little extra money to test and to see whether this is a good idea. And let's try it with live data in order to check it out. So this would be my three cents uh, to this question. Thank you very much, York. And I think that's a lot more than three cents with this inflationary pressure. <laughs> um, really created a bit of a blueprint and a roadmap for key things I think every single CFO should consider when it comes to leadership, management, decision-making, for dealing with the changing face of the treasury function in line with the changing face of a business model. So talking of experimenting and testing new ideas and holding budget for tomorrow and the next new, perhaps Anu, could you shed a bit of light on some of the new exciting innovations, whether they fail or succeed, that you guys are working on? More than happy. Just on one thought that I would like to add to the very comprehensive list of yogas, I would think that we still need that sense of urgency for the change. A lot has been topic covered, but we need to act now. Picking your thought on the inflation, in core Europe, we are now facing inflation rates of about 10%. We have not experienced that before. We are not aware of what's going to happen if we continue doing the same process as yesterday. Take a, a bill of exchange with a nominal value of 100,000 euros, term one year. So that bill of exchange is losing value for the beneficiary in a 10% inflation environment. So on a paper-based process, you wouldn't even notice that. I think that as last element to what we need to do is we need to act now. We need to be mindful of the urgency to act. That just the last thought on that one. Thank you very much for putting that into perspective. And I think that's a really important point to consider, especially with the end of the inflationary increases. But I mean, look, Anno York, we've covered yeah. some really, really exciting topics talking about the changing role of the CFO and the corporate treasurer and how we should look at CFOs as those who are designing and creating value. We've talked about hybrid business models for transforming operational processes, which is how we're going to get from where we're at now to where we want to be in the future. And I think it's always important for leaders to consider who are the lighthouses and those beacons of excellence when it comes to expertise and technologies. And are they sitting on the outside of the organization or right inside within the industry? And I think that's important for leadership to consider. And I guess linked to that is really the importance of good communication and good education as we change as a business, as we change as an industry. So I think covered some really important topics off the back of today's podcast. So Anno York, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. But thank you very much for joining me both on Trade Finance Talks and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you. Depeche, it was a pleasure and it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure was all on my side. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.